Welcome back, everyone, to the Bruce Robinson Show. Hey, Woo! I'm your warm-up man, Joey Parisi, alongside Wait, his sidekick, Greg Knight, <laughs> and the star himself, Mr. Bruce Robinson. I'm just saying that because we were at Eggy on Thursday, and the amount that this man was getting recognized and dapped up was just ridiculous. So clearly, oh, it's his show. It's his podcast. Okay. Very cute. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why, you know, I was like, oh, let's just jump in. I haven't prepared whatsoever. And they were like, oh, okay. You know, so is this because of this? I see we're going to be taking jabs at Bruce today. Um, you know, which is not I've a been, Bruce podcast. I've been used to. I've been getting, you know. Not, I mean, not this a is Bruce podcast. This outline's been written for, I don't know, like three days now. Acting like, you know, I <laughs> I've been busy for three days. Um <laughs> You know, some of those days I don't remember, but I've been busy for most of them. So you, you know. make me feel like I've been locked out of Facebook. Yeah. So, um, Eggie was Liddy. Eggie was Litney. Litney Spears. We had a little Absolutely. great field trip. What'd y'all, th- what'd y'all think? Uh, t- I, so, all right. I was drunkenly yelling this at people after the show. My uh, favorite thing to do. <laughs> I've I've been listening to Why Should I Worry by William Joel from the movie Oliver and Company for the past three wow, months. Jay. Thinking uh. this would be a great cover for Goose to do at Radio City. It's such like a New York song. It just like popped in my head. I don't know why it came up, but I was like, wow, like that would really fit. And then Eggy go, goes ahead and does it. And I, I'll be honest, I freaked out. I started yelling and screaming, singing, mm. dancing my ass off. And like, it really didn't make a lot of sense to people when I'm yelling. It's from Oliver and company. Right. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have made sense to me. But yeah. you did mention that you did kind of mention that to me briefly after the show. Um, and it's just funny. How oh, you, I mentioned it to Jake. I mentioned it to Danny. That's it embarrassing. Yeah, but. It's excellent. But no, they need to hear it. You know, they need to hear that you knew it was going to be a good cover. But it is funny. That you've been listening to it for the last three months too. totally totally random cover i never would have expected um but oh, yeah god the show was so good i mean and i was talking to um uh, a buddy of ours sal who wrote a cool article that y'all should check out for his master's skip work. church <laughs> yeah it was on that um, church yeah skip that church and it was um it was cool about the community and around goose and all that but um you know, I saw him towards the end of the show and I was like, oh, I got to go over him and interrupt his show, obviously. Um, but so, yeah, we were talking and man, I was telling him, it's like, dude, I, you know, all of the shows I've been through in my life, there's just you can always just feel when you go to one that just hits different and it's really special in that moment. And it's going to be special when you go back and listen to it. Um, it just it just hit my chords in all the right ways you know they got so dark and cool in it and kept up a very energetic very hard rock and a lot of dancing kind of vibe it was uh it was really perfect they they were firing on all kinds of cylinders dude definitely one of the best eggy shows the best eggy show i've been to or my favorite at least and um you know one of the best ones i've heard um it's it's phenomenal yeah mercury lounge dude that grimy little bar 
I love that about those places, dude. They're not the most comfortable, but man, they bring out the best in some of these bands. I, I will tell you. Yeah, well, great for St. Patty's Day too. Everyone showed oh up a God. little. Uh, everyone had their own pregame going on. I'm sure watching some games. Yeah, we got to watch UConn lose. That was yeah, that was great. We, yeah, uh, but yeah, I was drinking Jameson during that loss, and it definitely, um, <laughs> yeah, it hit me pretty hard. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, um, we just kept drinking it. Well, um, as you can see, our lives are slowly falling apart with the band off the road. Um, so I guess let's uh, dig into the news. Oh, cool, thanks, uh, Bingo theme. So uh, there haven't been any shows this week. There won't be for a while. And um, the band's clearly itching to get back on the road because they're going to play every festival this summer. R.I.P. Everyone's wallets. <laughs> oh, my wallet's already deceased, Greg. <laughs> my yeah. wallet has been buried under the ground. Oh, for countless years now. Um, God well, bless it. Though. You know, R.I.P. my wallet. <laughs> Why don't you run us through all the festivals we're going to spend money on? Oh, so the guy who is unprepared gets to run through the festivals and gets made fun <laughs> of. Cool. Good idea, guys. This is going to sell us a, a lot of CBD. By the way, so it, like, shout out to the lake. Um, but <laughs> speaking of water and drip field, <laughs> we're going to Sweetwater 420 at the end of April. Um, I definitely think I'm going to hit that Saturday at least. Um, but that looks like an incredible um, festival lineup for sure. Um, Beale Street is the very next day. Uh, in Memphis, um, and that's looks like a really interesting festival. And again, we talked about those last time. How they're going to be in some more of these pop, a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more indie um, festivals. Uh, so that's going to be cool. Um, I th- I see such workhorses in the notes, Joey, and I will not give them that credit. Uh, we are working very hard here at the Great Beyond, Dude, but Boston Collins. The amount of festivals where it's like day after day, they're doing their own shows. They're playing a festival every single day of a weekend, like traveling. Fuck, no, tr- yeah, true. It takes some bus takes really some effort. handy. Yeah, they got for the bus drivers, um, yeah. and, you know, and the bus itself. <laughs> but Boston Calling next. And just like just like Beale Street, another one of those um, kind of more pop festivals. Bonnaroo next. The similar one. The Bonnaroo is such a variety of artists um, and it's such a big festival. So another good one. Peach, uh, going back to Peach after three years after their, you know, epic, you know, legendary now Peach Festival show, um, which we do talk about later with our guest. Um, Hi, Sierra, out in the mountains, California. I, I wanted to swing this. I really wanted to swing this. People have said it's awesome. Also has an awesome lineup. A lot of these festivals have great lineups this year. I feel like I've been so let down by lineups in festivals for so long. And these lineups are great. Um, and then Newport um, Folk Fest, not a cigarette festival. Apologize to my mom. <laughs> for, uh, smoke them uh, if you got them, baby. For everything I've done and said in my entire life. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Um, but yeah, and then uh, most recently, Sacred Rose. This looks absolutely epic. Speaking of epic festival lineups. Yeah, I didn't realize it's just the, it's like 30 minutes outside of the city of Chicago and oh. like soccer it's at a soccer stadium. So really easy. It's not like you're going in the middle of nowhere, have to camp out or anything like if you get to and from the venue. I don't know if they're doing any type of camping. I wouldn't imagine they would, but uh, sure. They're yeah, not like playing C- soccer there. We don't play soccer in this country. Yeah, <laughs> better use Sacred Rose. Home of the Chicago Red Stars. You know, Bruce is a big fan. 
And uh, what is that? Uh, <laughs> the volleyball team. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> this is not a sports podcast, people. This is a Bruce podcast. Oh my god, um, but Bruce, you're, you're gonna lace him up and go to the, the hipster fest, right? Oh no! Oh no doubt. Um, and I'm also gonna wear. You know, I've been slimming down. Um, so I can get into this very tight pair of black jeans that I have. Um, we're looking forward to that. Not, I mean, I'm not quite Franz Petit Pen as of yet. Um, my butt is still a little big, but we're working on it. Yeah, we're getting there. We'll dance it off. And uh, yeah, that's it so far. I'm sure there'll be four more festival announcements by the time this episode comes out. But uh, yeah, hopefully everyone saved up some money, didn't blow it all on winter tour spring tour summer tour fall tour coming up because uh yeah these festival lineups are just ridiculous this year yeah, shit. yeah we need shit. a great beyond tour bus <laughs> so buy yeah, we some, some we need some we need some more sponsors too yeah i've been out of i've been out of cbd dude I'm, i don't know what i'm doing it's that's why i'm going crazy tonight you know not enough <laughs> I, need, I need my fix man i'm sorry <laughs> Well, um, I don't know how much of this news was actually newsworthy to any of you, but uh, we have a very exciting guest joining us today. Writer, podcaster, author extraordinaire, uh, recently wrote the Uproxx article entitled Goose is the Next Great American Jam Band, leading to torch-bearing brawls in the comments sections across the web. So we're uh, able to get him on to, to, to chat with us a little bit about um, this band that we are loosely tied to and why all of you online are wrong. Yeah, except, I mean, except me, I'm online a lot. Um, usually right, almost always right. You know, you guys are right sometimes too as well. Most of, you know, most of the time I'll say. Well, well thank you. That's why it's yeah. the Bruce Robinson show. That's <laughs> it. Not- <laughs> So uh, we're going to get our act together before we talk to Steve um, and maybe consume a little bit of CBD. Good Stick idea. around. Let's hear from the sponsors. Great Beyond Podcast, yet another accomplished guest that we are trying to keep up with here, the one yeah. and only Stephen Hyden, hey. also known as right. the ween of American rock critics, uh, author <laughs> of five books. His next one comes out September 27th, and it's about Pearl Jam, good friends of ours. Uh, one day. <laughs> good friends of the podcast, yeah. <laughs> one day, we hope. Um, mm. And also host of, I guess there's another music music podcast out there 36 from the vault on osiris network new season steven how are you i'm good man thanks for plugging all that stuff by the way you didn't have to do that you could have just like introduced me as like some random person so i appreciate you you know giving me my prop you you plugged multiple things there so i i just like want to make it clear that i appreciate the multiple plugs well, sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're we're hoping, you know, we're we're pulling in that crossover Pearl Jam 
uh, fan base from yeah. senior now. Pro Jam, hey, um, it yeah. could happen. You know, we Just also like, need people to know you're important so that they listen to the podcast. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> well, someone, someone worth listening to. Yeah, I'm exactly. Up. I'm important because I'm on this podcast. I, let's, just be, let's be frank. Oh, I love I'm that. I'm important because I'm on this podcast. So, you know, I just I, I just like wanted to want to be clear on that. On You're that my new account. favorite guest, Steven. That's it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for, for tuning in. I think we can I wrap know. right now. I know, how to, I, I, I know how to suck up when I'm a guest. I can suck up with the best of them. Oh, man. <laughs> well, um, in that case, let's dive right in. Um, PR nightmare, PR headache, or PR triumphant move. The most recent article you released, Goose, yeah. is the next great American jam band. Yes. Oh, what a title. Let's dig into it. Um, did you appreciate did, that? I, I, I noticed I, that title. I, I hope, yeah. <laughs> yes. I hope you appreciated that. Like, you know, I, I hope that was a gift to the sure. goose community and not a hindrance, but I, I could see how it could be, but it could be yeah, either one. Surprisingly, almost everything is a hindrance to the community, the goose community. I know from moderating <laughs> the fan group. Um, and that is why the title struck me at first. Cause I said, this is, um, this is great. I get why you made the title this way, and it's going to um, ruin my life for the next couple of weeks in the group. So <laughs> I definitely appreciated it. <laughs> well, you know, and and I'll be uh, straightforward. I mean, you know, like when you're a writer and you're writing an article, you don't always write the headline. But I, I did write the headline for that piece. So like I'll, I will own up to that. Uh, Goose is the next great American jam band. And, you know, I wrote that because. I happen to think it's true. So, you know, there's just that. But also, you know, you you want to implore people to like read your article. So you don't want to, you know, uh pussyfoot around like with what whatever it is in your article. Like you want people to read it. Um, but no, I happen to think it's true. And um I just want to say, by the way, like the response to the article has been great and it it's gotten great traffic and yeah. i think by and large the response has been really positive um but yeah i mean i think goose is deserving of that i mean i think it's pretty clear from their trajectory that there's a lot of energy behind the band there's a lot of um you know uh, a lot of conversation going on and you know like i'm running obviously for a general interest audience not just people who are into jam bands um right and I've heard from people who aren't into jam bands who checked out Goose and like were pretty excited to hear this group. I mean, I I feel like there's like a lot of people coming in from the outside who are hearing Goose for the first time and and uh, are really into what they're doing. So I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to hear the various strands of conversation going on. I'm sure you guys have heard in the jam man community there's like some people who are uh you know maybe <laughs> responding to that in a negative way but I, I, I but i really feel like on my end that uh for the most part it's been like very positive and people who love the band are excited about it and people who maybe haven't heard them they're checking it out and are digging into it for the first time so i don't know i i really think it's warranted for goose absolutely yeah. I, I i have no regrets about writing the headline yeah well we i definitely oh, yeah. appreciate the headline i'm sure these guys did and 
I do. I would agree that that for the most part, reality, it has been really well accepted. It was it was a great article. It's well written. So it, there has been a lot of positive feedback from that far more than negative um, in, the, in the real world. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, the headline, the headline certainly had a better weekend than Butter Rum did. So <laughs> <laughs> we can all agree there. Uh-huh. Um, you guys and I already do? had an episode wait, wait. about that. <laughs> Yeah, because you guys, you you guys did the butter rum breakdown, right? Hey, Already, hey, we hey, sure yeah. did. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't heard that episode oh. of the podcast yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, can I just say this? That it's it's fascinating to me, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this on your show. The um, the reaction from like some, and I and, and I really don't want like, want to paint this too broadly. I think it's definitely like a segment, I don't think it's broadly, but, but like a segment of the fish community who feels threatened by goose, almost yeah. like goose is going to like overtake fish. Like, like goose is like a threat to fish. And like, we have to somehow put them down because mm-hmm. we love fish and we don't want to like, you know, yeah. worry about fish's supremacy. And so now we're going to like, launch this sort of like weird criticism of goose in order to put goose down um i don't know it's fascinating to me to see that unfold like this hostility from a segment again i think of fish fans who just feel threatened by goose and it's like whatever we can say to put them down we're gonna like say that it's it's been a strange it's definitely been a strange phenomenon to watch kind of grow organically uh and then to see people's perception of it too because it unfolds online where a lot of perception gets mixed in terms of how people can understand what people are trying to say whether or not they're joking you know whether or not they're coming from a place of of anger or from being threatened or being defensive or if they're somehow trying to be honest and just conveying it strangely and it just has bred you know such a little uh infighting sort of rivalry between again yet very i mean smaller segments but very loud and very vocal segments of of both fan bases now at this point because you know to some extent maybe goose fans got a little overly defensive i know i definitely did for a while but i thought it was a different context you know fish can't be touched they're multi-millionaires they sell out msg every time they play you know let's give our guys or my friends you know a chance to you know make make their way and, and find some success and i'm glad to know that through that it's kind of most people see what you was you were describing and i thought you described really well about that um and it's it hasn't it hasn't really detracted from their success too noticeably yet and i just hope it you know continues not to i would love if that rhetoric died down um, yeah. personally but you know it is what it, it is i guess <laughs> it is an interesting dynamic because and i wrote about this in my piece about how like when fish was really blowing up in the mid 90s there was this contingent of uh deadheads who were very dismissive of fish and it seems like an a very clear parallel to what we see now, like where there's a contingent of fish fans who are very dismissive of of Goose. The difference is, of course, that, you know, Jerry sadly passed away in 1995. Right. And the dead really wasn't on the road for the back half of the 90s. I mean, there were different iterations of the dead, but it wasn't the Grateful Dead with Jerry Garcia. So it kind of cleared the path for fish to do what, they did in the back half of the 90s and it seems like fish and goose are going to coexist you know as goose rises and fish is doing what they're doing i mean like 
for me, I love both bands. You know, you yeah. don't need to pick one or the other. Fish is obviously a great band. I'm seeing them at Alpine Valley this summer. I'm going to go nice. to all three shows. I'm very nice. excited about that. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, but I'm also excited about this young band on the rise. I don't feel like it has to be an either or uh, situation. Um, but it, it is interesting to see the online reaction, which again, I think if you look at Twitter, you don't want to put too much, um, you know, emphasis on that because I think it is a more heightened, exaggerated response sure. to the sure. music. And I really feel like most people would be like, well, I either like goose or I, I want to get into goose and, because I think most people feel like it's more fun to love something than it is to hate something. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Again, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, by that reaction, and I'm curious to see how that evolves as the years roll ahead. Well, I'm wondering, you know, one, one of the things I think that's so impressive about your body of work, because we're plugging your body of work today. Oh, um, I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> so Thanks you're, for you're, bringing it back to like, what really uh, matters. It's a glorious body of work that Steve Hyden has. <laughs> it's really about me. It's not about these bands. It's <laughs> right. about me. So it's exactly, exactly correct. Exactly. And, and so to that point, you know, <laughs> you're deeply ingrained in a wide swath of fan communities. It's not just the jam world. And I think that's pretty incredible. We all need to remember that other music does exist. So in, in your experience, you know, have you seen this type of gatekeeping in other genres? You know, like, I don't know, was radio, were Radiohead fans, you know, trying to stop the second British invasion? I, you know, as you can see, we did our deep research for this. Right. No, I mean, it, you know, I, I wrote about this a bit in my goose piece that like when I started getting into the jam scene really about 10 years ago or so, like, and that was really when I started getting into fish, like early 2010s. Mm. And I was already like a grateful dead fan at that point. But part of like what drawn, part of what drew me into that scene was this idea that this scene wouldn't have the same, um sort of taste arguments that you see in indie rock happen all the time mm -hmm. you know arguments about credibility is this group more credible than this is this more relevant than that which i you know looking at indie rock in like the late 2000s early 2010s it just seemed endemic to every conversation and to me it seemed like sort of anti-music it didn't sure. seem to be about is this a great song? Are you connecting with this emotionally? It seemed to be more about um, whatever was in trend at the moment. Mm -hmm. And it, I was very exhausted by that. So I, I looked at the jam scene and I was like, well, these people just seem to be totally invested in music. So I'm going to go into the scene and maybe it'll be a little bit more pure. And of course, I was totally wrong about that. Um, it's like yeah. very little pureness in the scene, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Maybe the purest is Peter, but yeah. well, pure, you know, but in terms of like not in terms of like not being judgmental, you know, like, like, yeah, the, sure. right. the judgmental exactly. nature of it. I thought this is this scene's not gonna be judgmental. And in fact, I found like in a way, like the jam scene was even more judgmental. 
than, than the indie yeah. scene. Um, so um, it, it is really interesting to see like how these um, sort of binaries get created between like loving this band versus loving this band. It's like, mm. and we, you know, I alluded to this earlier, but like, you know, like, you know, I, I do this Grateful Dead podcast, 36 from the vault. And like we did every season that we uh, do the show, we do a curveball episode where we talk about a band who's not the Grateful Dead. And the first season we did was, was on fish. We, we talked about like one of the Island tour shows from, from 98. And uh, that was, and we've done subsequent curveballs after that. We did a curveball on Bob Dylan. We did a curveball on, on, on Radiohead. And Fish was by far the most polarizing show. Like Grateful Dead fans, you know, some of them love Fish, but the yeah. ones who didn't love Fish hated Fish and were like were adamantly against talking about Fish on a Grateful Dead podcast. And uh, and again, it, it it reminds me of like the Goose conversation. Like, there's just people, um, and look everyone has a right to feel like how they feel about a band. You know, you have a right to your own taste, but um, it it's very interesting to me, the people who get actively angry yeah. <laughs> about goose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's people they're, who like, it's crazy. There's it people crazy. who, you know, and like, I just know like in the reaction to my article, which again, I think was largely positive, but there were people, I had people tweeting at me, like you're an idiot or like, right. Yeah. You're, you're, this, oh, sure. or, you're that yeah. <laughs> for yeah. me talking about. And my thing was like, even if you don't like goose, it's like, this is like an ascended band, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of how you feel about them, they're right. worth <laughs> writing about because they're yeah. clearly on the rise. They're clearly uh doing something where they're building an audience uh so they're worthy of conversation of course i i really like goose so i think that they're like artistically that we're talking about but even just looking at them as a as a phenomenon i mean i think they're worth discussing uh but yeah i don't know it it, it, to me it's it's just very interesting to see (laughs) <laughs> you know you don't see the parallels of like fish being dismissed to like goose being dismissed i just think it's such an obvious parallel that uh yeah you know i not because I, like i, I don't want to focus too much on like the the haters here right. you know you don't want to focus too much on the haters but i i to me it's such an obvious parallel there to yeah. not notice that is amazing to me. And then there are even those like besides like the fish fans who get upset if you bring up goose, there are goose fans who get upset if you bring up fish. Where it goes exactly. the opposite way, where like we don't want that comparison, but like there's something about understanding music when you're trying to explain it to other people that like you have to make that initial comparison of like they're kind of not even they don't even have to sound like let's say fish necessarily like it's kind of fun to do that comparison of like the stage they're at of like, you mentioned uh, in the article that like, you know, fish was uh, 
playing, you know, small bars, then theaters, and they were selling out theaters, and then they went to, you know, arenas, and like to watch Goose do all of that is, uh, you know, it's it, it's somewhat of a comparison, and like to kind of tell that story is, you know, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, and that, and I think like in the jam scene, there's like so few bands that have had a trajectory like where they progress from a certain level up to a, a higher level that naturally you're going to compare them to you know the the kingpin bands of the scene because there's just not a lot of other comparisons to make and you don't necessarily have to say like well musically they're the same um I mean, I think in the case of Goose, like what's what's so, I think what makes them a singular band and like what makes them great is that, um, you know, they they don't sound like the like the dead or or, or fish, you know, like they right. have their own reference <clears throat> points, they have their own influences, but um, in terms of their trajectory it's similar to those bands because there's so few bands that have done it the way that fish or the grateful dead have done it uh and to see goose following in that path i think it's like a it's like an obvious comparison to make and it, it it's like a limited comparison you know like right. you're just it's like a yes. very kind of strictly limited thing yeah. uh it, but it's just appreciating the way that they're going about building an audience. Right. And I couldn't agree more. And a lot of people want to ascribe similarities to them where they don't exist. And I think it's almost goes back to that point so that they can make this point that they're trying to make about diminishing goose or, you know, degrading the quality of their music or whatever. Um, you know, and it just goes, it's just an odd, you know, it's like you said, it's, they're not mindful or aware of these, of these things that they're latching onto that many people have, in my opinion, made the mistake of latching onto in the past. You know, they become fanatical about a certain band, which I think to some extent that people see some Goose fans coming off that way. Um, you know, where they're really, you know, they're coming off as fanatical because they love the band so much. Um, but in reality, they're just absorbed with a new and exciting thing in their lives, you know, and just trying to express some of their joy about that. That assuredly fish fans have done for many years that I did as a part of that community for a long time. And, um, you know, that people did as dead fans too. Uh, so it would be nice to move past that, you know, eventually, and we don't have, and we won't have to focus on any of the haters, but they're just such a prevalent voice out there that it's, it can be hard not to bite sometimes and, and, and give in and, and talk a little bit about it. Um, but I think this was a this was a great talk about that. I did not expect that because we had so many things like your article and your books to talk about. Um, right, that I didn't think. Right. But this was a great tangent because it's hard to have a good conversation about this and and be able to give people a sense of it and and you know a more realistic sense of of, of what it is and um, you know how it's how it's really an unimportant blemish on the scene that that you know we can just move past and allow people to accept what's what's new and exciting um, without kind of trying to extract joy from that process for them yeah i mean and again i mean in a way you could construe this as a compliment to goose because um you know if they weren't as good as they are they wouldn't be in this conversation you know like there's like right. a lot of bands that are in this scene that i don't think have risen to this level of prominence 
you know, if you, if you get to the level, like where people aren't into what you're doing, it is a compliment to what you're, to what you are as a band, because Mm -hmm. if you don't have people who aren't upset at what you're doing, it means that you just haven't like actually reached a critical mass yet. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? It's It's like goose has reached that critical mass at the point where it's like, okay, people are having a conversation about them. And I really feel like some of the people who aren't into what they're doing, they're going to be singing a different tune in about six months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're going to feel differently so. in about six months. Because I have, so, I have so many friends who like were just diehard Fish fans would not get into, let alone Goose, any other bands. And they come to their first show and it's like, okay, I get it. Then they're listening to it nonstop for three months. And then they exactly. come to their second show and that's it. I really think yep. that's the thing. I mean, it, it, the thing about this scene is that the biggest bands have been around literally for like 30 to 50 years. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, they're old. <laughs> Sorry. <yeah. laughs> there's a lot, of, I, there's a lot of, you know, they, it, they're, they're old, which I'm not, not, you know, which is look, fine. I, it's fine. We're I not love, ages on the great beyond. So <laughs> I love fish. I love dead and company, but it's like, they've, they have built a brand over the course of decades, which at this point is indisputable. So like, if you right. are comparing, if, you, if you're inclined to compare an up and coming band to a brand that's been, you know, around for decades. Yeah. They're going to struggle against, that because they don't have the track record and it, it it it's not like a normal music scene where you continually have new blood being you know put into the scene and older brands kind of like fade in the background in the jam scene it's still like you're compared against like literally the greatest to ever do it yeah you know yeah, so point yep. so you know, if you're an up and coming band, you're going to struggle against that a little bit. Uh, so I understand that, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like, cause I, you know, I, I know people too, who are fish fans or grateful dead fans who sort of scoff at like, whatever is the up and coming thing, but it's like, no like this is for real like and you can't just rely on these bands that have been around forever you have to embrace the new at some point and especially like when they deliver the goods yeah for so, sure so i really feel like the energy eventually will be on the side of the new or at least it always, it always is with music i think and it's good to go ahead and let other people embrace the new as well if you don't want to you know and just kind of be you know, accepting of that, not not so vocally against that, trying to convince people not to. And because I mean, like you said in the article, you mentioned the Peach Fest video, which had three hundred and forty one thousand views, which at the time of writing, which I when I saw it, I checked up on it at some point over the last year and was blown away by how many views it had and was blown away by some of the videos on their YouTube and how many views they had. And of course, that's not everything, but all of these numbers from all the streaming services and YouTube, you know, do come into play in a lot of ways, a lot more ways than people realize. Um, but that's a huge number. And like you mentioned, it's barely, it's not even a blip. It's not even a, vi- it's nothing considered even close to viral in the pop world, which is one of my favorite mu- types of music, <laughs> um, yes. but it covers a lot yeah. of genres. <laughs> but um, 
you know, that's, it's just, it's just another interesting point that, you know, they're still up in commerce. They're still trying, they're still working very hard and trying to make their brand, um, you know, and it will be cool to see how this year uh, transcends, you know, but that peach fest too brought in all of these fans brought in a ton of dead fans who go to peach all of the time, it brought in fish fans. Um, and, you know, this was this, I guess, the natural way of, of how things are going to sort themselves out between those groups in that sense. So it was bound to happen, yeah. you know? Yeah. I remember seeing that peach fest video and then there was another video. I, I'm trying to remember. It was somewhere in Kentucky. Was it Covington, Kentucky? Covington. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that video at the same time and, and just feeling like, like, wow, like these guys are like really good and I haven't really heard of them before. Like that was the beginning of me getting into goose but you know what's amazing about this band is that you know i was enjoying the stuff that i was listening to in 2019 and you know i thought they were like a really good band but this band is still so relatively young in the trajectory that you can listen to shows certainly from like 2021 and as we're going into 2022 and the growth and the evolution is i think so explosive i mean i really feel like in the last like six seven eight nine months listening to goose stuff like live recordings you just hear them evolving constantly and i mean just the shows that they've played in 2022 I, you listen to like their San Francisco run and you listen to like the Nashville run and it's like, you know, like a two month difference. And it's like, wow, like they are, you know, growing so quickly. And for me, like that is um, one of the most exciting things about following this band is that yeah. as opposed to, again, like I love fish and I love dead and company, but with a band like goose, you just can hear the changes from show to show so much more clearly. And you just feel like if you're following this band, the evolution is just like exponential, you know, from like week to week or to month to month. And uh, that's what I would say to people who are maybe a little skeptical that like this band is not fixed as much as maybe some of the older bands this band is like exploding you know as they're playing as they're as as they're moving along on their tours um you just like to hear a band evolving in 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 real time the way goose is it's really exciting to listen to and and that's been like sure yeah something for me that's been like so great yeah with, with following them and you, you, you mentioned like, the 2022 run, like how much they're evolving. And uh, you wrote in the article, too, that the Dripfield album is like a proper debut for them. And that's what like these new songs are like changing them. Like the singles yeah. that came out are totally different from the old stuff. And it's almost yes. like we're getting <clears throat> yeah. a taste of what Goose is going to sound like in the future. Yeah. I and mean, that this run yeah. is exactly well, that. Yeah. Well, and it, I'm glad you brought up the album because, and this is something I I wrote in my article and I cut out this sentence because I didn't want it to be taken the wrong way. But like, originally I wrote in my article that when I started listening to Dripfield, that I was really surprised by how much I liked the album. And I didn't want, 
I didn't want it to be taken the wrong way. I didn't want I didn't want it to be taken as like a backhanded compliment. What I meant by that is that when I listen to jam bands, typically, I don't really care about studio albums all that much. And this is true of even like the Grateful Dead or Fish. You know, I I, I tend to just listen to like live recordings, mm-hmm. and and that's what it's all about. But Driftfield, I really feel like in and the reason why, why I called it a proper debut is that like in comparison to like to the first two Goose albums, I really feel like this is an album that it feels like an album. It, it feels mm-hmm. like feels like more than just like a band going into a studio and playing live and recreating their studio set. Like this feels like a band actually like conceiving of recordings in a studio fashion that can stand apart from whatever it is they do live. And I really, I really love, I, I really like the al- album a lot. I think it's like a really good album. And I think they really did a good job of like um, creating something separate from what they do live. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Obviously, obviously Goose is a great live band, but like this, this is like a really good record. Definitely. And, it can, yeah. and it can stand on its own as a record for sure, for sure. and um and like for bands in that scene i think that's like a hard thing to do like and, and again like talking about the greatest bands from the scene they're not always able to pull that off i mean i really feel like you know whatever like fish did on like billy breeds i think that's like what goose did on drip field like it oh. feels like that to me oh boy here we go. Oh, <laughs> That's it right just, there. Okay. Down the alarm. Throw that out there. Well, I'm they were closing down the group after this episode gets released. <laughs> they were both, they, you know, both records were recorded in upstate New York. You know, yeah, they were yeah. like similar vibe. But um, yeah, I mean, I and to me, like having heard the other Goose records, to me, it's just like it's leagues beyond like what they've done on record before. Yes, yeah. and I, I really yeah. feel. And I really feel like um, when people, like when the fans hear it, you know, because I, I remember, like, I didn't really get into this in the article, but like I talked to Rick and, uh, you know, I talked to Rick about this, about how, you know, like, how do you feel like if fans aren't going to care about this album? You know, are they going to care more about the studio record than the, than the album? And he was like, I really don't care. Like, I, you know, and, and he talked about this in my piece, but like how he is really into recording. Like that's like a big deal for him. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I think he did. I, I think they did a great job with this album. I, I, I really think it really stands on its own as an album. Um, and you can appreciate the live stuff and as we all do, but uh it just sounds like a really, like really good record. Um, I cannot yeah. wait. I cannot wait till June to hopefully hear people agree with you. Um, I, re- I, I really <laughs> think people are going to dig the record. I, I really feel like, you know, if, if you're into Fleet Foxes, Vampire Weekend, whatever, like indie rock records, like this can totally stand with those albums as like, a really good studio record uh-huh. uh and, and and you can dig this you can dig the live stuff but 
um, you know, like Born and uh, you know, Dripfield. I, I don't know, like uh, across the board, Honeybee. Yeah. They got a lot like of a, they got a lot of hits on that too. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, like So Ready, like Hot Tea. So yeah. So to that to that point, um, you know, as an adroit music listener, that your tastes extend beyond you know the 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 jam bands we're talking about. Um, what are some of the influences you could immediately recognize when listening to Dripfield, some some other bands, because I think um, also to your point, the band really does a great job to create an experience with an album, right? And 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 I think you're spot on. I think this this album really tells the story of where they are right now, um, but also I think they take some more risks. They take more risks than they did on Moon Cabin or Shenanigans. So I'm wondering um, what else you hear in the music. Which other bands really stick out to you? I mean, I mentioned, yeah, I mean, obviously, Bon Iver is a big influence. And, mm-hmm. like, and I mentioned bon, uh, Vampire Weekend already. You know, one right. influence that really came across when I, when I listened to the record more than um, maybe them playing live was like Fleet Foxes. Mm-hmm. I really felt that kind of vibe on this album. Like the harmonies on the record and... Um, you know, which I think are naturally going to come across more on an album, maybe than like playing live because it's just more enveloping and you, you, you feel like the real beauty of that. Right. Um, so I, I felt like that was like a real influence on the album. I mean, I think, um, you know, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this on your podcast a lot, but um I really think that like with Rick and Peter, there's an emphasis on songwriting and there's an emphasis on like relatively concise, catchy melodies. Oh, that absolutely. You that you don't necessarily expect maybe from a band like this. Um, but I think that really comes across on the record. I mean, at the same time, you do also get the um expansiveness like the instrumental um sort of stretching out on the record obviously yeah you're not gonna get like any 20 minute songs on 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 the studio record obviously um right yeah but i don't know i every time i listen to it i just i just really feel like oh yeah like this is like an indie pop record you know like this is not like a jam band record uh i feel like anyone who um you know just like likes indie like a catchy indie pop you know vampire weekend local natives that like bonnie Ver, fleet foxes like that kind of thing would be into this album i you know i right. aside from any kind of jamminess going on um it's like a really kind of tuneful catchy very listenable album like you just want to listen to it again after it ends yeah and i think that's what's always sold goose's success a little bit and one of the things that we've thought for a long time and i've always told the story about lead the way and humming the song after a show years ago for a whole week which would never happen when i'd leave a jam band show you know because they could come up with these catchy melodies and actually focus on songs to the extent that old bands used to you know the dead were very much focused on songs the beatles are one of the best songwriting like john lennon and paul mccartney one of the best songwriting duos in american history and like 
even though they're British. And I mean, it just all of these <laughs> things were so important from a from a song standpoint and from an album construction standpoint, having a cohesive album. That's one, you know, one whole piece of, of art from the band in, in a point in time. And it flows well. And these songs are listenable. And we've you know, we've known that because we've listened to some of the same songs. Greg's heard all I need. 4,000 times, um, you know, and, and, and with hot teas on there, which people have heard a ton of times, but these are songs you can continue to go back to and listen to. And they have different versions of the same songs that really help, you know, provide some variety and give people a taste of something that's equally good, but almost similar and familiar, you know, but one of the things you mentioned was like calling it an indie pop album. And you mentioned in um, the article, which I really liked was this pop psychedelic uh, reference that you made to the, um album but so they also talked a little bit about the title of jam band you know and so not all there's problems with that that i do understand you know and it was i thought it was great that you left it in there it did also like many things cause some drama amongst fans um but you know i was wondering for you as a wordsmith um you know what what do you think fits them best they they go by this indie groove which i like to make fun of constantly um pop psychedelic is cool um, shout out to our neighbor, Sonia Jefferson, who came up with Jam Yotica as a mix of Jamtronica and Yacht Rock, which I love. It's amazing. Um, you know, it's it's like, what do we call? How do we how do we identify this band that has so many influences and is pulling in people from other fan bases, you know, and how would you identify them? I don't know. I mean, I still I mean, personally, I, I like the term jam band. I, I don't see anything negative with that. I it, it was um, I really appreciated Rick being as candid as he was about the idea of jam band being a limiting term that like when you call a band a jam band that you're sort of automatically turning off like a lot of different people um so i mean pop, like, pop psychedelia could be good or indie pop could be good um you know ultimately it, it just comes down to hopefully as many people as possible just being able to sample the music and, and hearing it for what it is mm. without being encumbered by these terms. Cause I, I always feel like genre terms are very uh, restrictive and, you know, sort of inherent inherently limiting anyway, you know, like whatever, it, whatever it is you want to describe something as it just seems like it always uh, puts a classification on it. You know, the thing I wanted to say quick was that it's, kind of amazing to me how many songs are not on this album that like people have been hearing uh goose play uh you know in these like early winter months you know songs that i love you know like, like red bird or silver lining you know or I'll talk about songs that are stuck in my head for weeks after a show red bird you know? that like focal layering yeah red bird is <laughs> like a, such a great song uh straight bird <laughs> straight bird yeah right shout out ryan um, the, no we don't shout out our podcast competitors here oh, no, no, competitor? right. uh, i meant uh Styron rye storm right whoever that is yeah exactly uh, but there's so many songs that they've uh you know premiered and have become part of their sets that aren't on this record yet uh which will presumably be on the next record uh but yeah again it just speaks to 
I think the exploding creativity that's going on with Goose right now, which again is like another very exciting thing, I think, about following this band. Definitely is that uh, you know, literally every week you feel like there's a new stride, you know, being made by Goose. So it's a very fun time to be to be following uh like what they're up to. But uh yeah, I mean again, I think the record um it it, it it stands on its own as like just a really great listen that you can enjoy. And I think sonically there's like some really cool things going on that go beyond what you would hear in a live recording um, that will make up, you know, cause again, it's great to hear live recordings and to hear the energy and the invention that happens in the moment with a live recording but again like the record itself i I just think it's like a really good like record that you want to put on and i love that it's coming out in june because i think it's gonna be a really good summertime album yeah some special about both the the studio medium and and the live medium you know for sure but i think i think that's an exciting thing because i i know from talking uh with rick and i think peter you know feels the same way that they are uh, dedicated to making the best records that they can make. It's not just about playing live. It's about um, making records that work as records. And it's not just about us going in a studio and recreating what we do on stage, which I think that approach is inherently flawed. You're not going to be able to do that. If you're just going to go into a studio and play as you would on stage, it's not going to be as exciting. But they seem to have, I think, a pretty smart approach to making records and uh, making records that work as records. And that's a hard thing to do. But I really think with Dripfield, they pulled it off. And again, I wrote this in my piece and I cut out the line because I didn't want it to come off as like a, you know, an underhanded compliment that like this was better than I expected. Like I was not expecting much from like a studio record from this jam band that I love. And they did it. And like, it's like a really good record. I really think they delivered. And I think if you're a Goose fan, you should be excited to check out Dripfield. I am. If you're not one, you will be a fan soon. Um, (laughs) Let's, let's switch gears a little bit. And I want to talk, um, I think for the first time we've gone this long in an interview without really digging into the live experience. Um, but obviously these guys are on fire, right? They've, they have killed it this winter tour um, and really left an impression across the country. Uh, you mentioned you've seen the band three times. So I'm wondering, well, I kind of know, but for our listeners, uh, which shows uh, you went to and what were some of the highlights of those, of those shows? So the first show I saw was at the Troubadour in early 2020. Mm-hmm. It was February 2020. First time I saw them, they were opening up for pigeons playing ping pong. Mm-hmm. And that was obviously, you know, not a full experience. I think they played for about 45 minutes. Um, but it was really fun to see them uh, at that show. The second show I saw was in Eau Claire. Uh, it was July of 2021. And that was such a beautiful setting. It was outdoors. And I hope they play there again, by the way. It was uh, it was like where they hold the Blue Ox 
music festival in Eau Claire. I don't know if there are because Goose played there t- two nights. I only saw one right. night mm-hmm. because the next I saw, I think it was July 2nd. The next night, July 3rd, I had to be with my family because that's like 4th of July. So I couldn't be away from the family. I would have liked to have gone to both shows for that. That's a beautiful setting, though. I really hope they do that again. Um, and yeah, people, then, we had a lot of great reviews from fans about that, too. I really did wish I went out there. People loved it, loved it. Just a great setting. Yeah. Great, great. And I, and I am biased because it's not that far from where I live. So, you know, nice. I would like to go to another show there. And then the third show I saw was at First Avenue here in Minneapolis, which is where I live. And that was early February. And uh, that was the best show I That, that was I've a great show. Personally, yeah, that was, that so was fun. fantastic. Yeah. And that was just, you know, and I don't know, I don't hear people talking about that as a great show. And, you know, Goose was playing so many heaters at that time. Uh, I, I remember being at that show being really, because I was pretty close to the stage, actually. And... Uh, I just loved how loud it was. They were very loud at that mm. show. It was very <laughs> all enveloping. Yeah. Uh, and I was on the I was on the Trevor side of the stage. Oh, that's where you gotta be. All so right. I was, feeling, I was feeling like the 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 deep bass tones on that side. Um we all so, yeah, love so, Trevor's deep bass tones. Let me tell oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love, you know, I'm a sucker for the impassive bassist. Mm-hmm. bass player who's yeah. just like i'm i'm shredding but i'm not doing anything you know literally like motionless <laughs> john like john it whistle in the who or like larry yeah. Mullen and uh uh um in u2 or you know like so many great bass players like that but trevor has that same demeanor which i love that where i'm just like i'm totally stationary but i'm like <laughs> just playing the deepest grooves that you can imagine. Um, so I was on the Trevor side and I was feeling the deep grooves. So that was great. So yeah, so those are the three shows I've seen. And I was gonna, I was gonna maybe go, gonna try to see Ma- uh, the, the next night in Madison, but I, I couldn't make it. And I'm kind of sad about that because I feel like, oh, how many venues like this are Goose gonna be playing here in the right. years ahead? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I'm a father and a husband. I can't. It was like a midweek show. I'm like, I yeah. don't know if I can make this, but it was great. So yeah, so I definitely a solid progression in each. Each show has been better than the last. I would say that's gonna keep going that way. So I hope you're ready. But I'm curious what mm-hmm. you saw from the audience, like as far as the demographic. Like I know you wrote um, a book, Twilight of the Gods, about classic rock that you know, dwindling of classic rock, but you mentioned how the album is like a complete album, which is kind of going back to that old style of we're not releasing singles here for streaming or anything. Like we want this to be an album. I'm curious if you see any, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like any positivity of the future and the fact that, I mean, there are kids even younger than me, like college kids who are showing up to these goose shows, getting it. This is their introduction to the scene really. Yeah. So like, what do you see as the outlook as far as the next generation. And then I guess the, the, um, you know, validity they're getting from the older, like deadhead crowd as well, who are going to goose shows. And it kind of makes me feel as a younger fan, like 
all right, this isn't some accident that I'm just trying to grab onto because it's, I feel it's the next big thing. Like everyone else is kind of agreeing. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, like the live experience is always going to be relevant to whatever generation there is. And that's outside of the album relevancy art, you know, discussion, which I don't know, that can be kind of tiresome to talk about whether like the album is dying or not. I mean, obviously they, the album as a concept has, you know, continued to live on, but um, I think uh, for every generation, people want to feel like they're uh, a part of something uh, real, like in, in a live experience. They want to feel excited. They want to feel like uh, this is touching my heart. And uh, with, with Goose, you know, like when I've been in the audience, it, I, you know, I've seen older people, but I see like a lot of younger people. And uh, this was a quote that I didn't uh, include in my piece, but I, I interviewed uh, the CEO of Nugs not uh, Nugs.net, whose mm-hmm. name is escaping me. Brad, Brad Sterling. Brad Sterling. Yeah. Brad, yeah. Brad Sterling. Yep. And he made a, I think, a very relevant point about how, like, when he went to go see Goose, he, and he, it, this was kind of like a funny comment, but he was like, you know, you go to a lot, you go to a lot of jam band shows. And it's like a bunch of like guys at the railing, mm-hmm. you know, guys at the railing, just like hanging out and seeing a band. And when he went to go see Goose, he was like, there were a lot of women at the show. There were women dancing at the show. Thank and, you, Jeff. And yes, thanks, Jeff. Yeah. And, he, <laughs> and, they, and thank you, women, for being there. <laughs> it sure yeah. makes my life better. <laughs> and, and I think his point was that, you know, some of this kind of music can get a little esoteric. It can, it can get a little dry. It can be about just kind of pushing it out to this very far kind of realm of psychedelic transcendence, which is great. But um, if you're going to be a band that connects with people, there is that matter of it's Friday night or Saturday night. I want to dance. Mm-hmm. I want to have a good time. And I think what Goose has, and I think this is also what Fish had and what Grateful Dead have, is that you have the esoteric element where, you know, they're improvising music and it gets very, uh, you know, experimental and it's great and it's expanding your mind. But you also have to deliver on like the basic level of, I want to have a good time. I want to dance. I want to feel something here. And you go to a dead show, you go to a fish show, people dance. They're having a good time. And I think Mm -hmm. with goose, people go to a goose show, they're having a good time. They're dancing, you know? So I think in this scene, that's, that's always like the magical balance of, can you want, can you deliver the uh, sort of mind expanding element? And can you also deliver like the booty expelling you know expanding right. element can you make mm-hmm. the booty move can you make the mind move right and right. i think the real te- after butter rum the real test is if they can cover want to dance with somebody by winnie you know that's the next thing that i'm going to see if they can do that's that's the next thing but we'll, we'll get there you know maybe a radio city if they if they right. like me right. <laughs> but it's like goose is but it's like goose is fun and they're also like you know like they can like move your like mind and you and 
they can move your mind they can move your your soul you know and uh that's a hard thing to do and i i think like a lot of groups struggle to strike upon that balance and i think goose is really hitting upon that and i think that's one of the things that makes them special and uh because there's because there's like a lot of groups that like a appeal only like the brain mm. you know and maybe they appeal more to like the like the twitter uh you know uh con- constituency uh but you go to the shows and like you see a lot of people like 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 this like they got their arms crossed and they're not moving and there's not a lot of fun and it's like okay you're not gonna you're only gonna get so far if it's a bunch of arms crossed dudes who are like 45 years old and have like <laughs> receding hairlines. You know what I mean? You yeah, gotta yeah. like, you, you, you gotta also have an element that appeals to like the 22 year old who like wants to have fun and dance. And they're both equally valid in my yeah. mind. I much more closely relate to that 22 year old for sure. Even though <laughs> the receding hairline has been long since gone, actually. <laughs> right. so, yeah. <laughs> And I'm an old dude too. Like I'm not <laughs> going to be dancing, but like I do like being at a show and seeing like okay, people who are less decrepit than me are dancing, <laughs> yeah. enjoying themselves a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, this is like it should be like that. And I appreciate feeding off that vibe of like the you know people who yeah, are dancing. Absolutely, you well, need that. Oh, yeah. We could we could go at length here about a lot of things. We haven't even dug into goose versus geese, but I'm going to leave it. Um, <laughs> no, we need it for next. Two. We need it for part two. Yeah, <laughs> be got to have one. Yeah, yeah, the so, goose versus geese episode. That's got to be like a three hour. Sure, know, for sure. Dive. It's going to be a battle royale. <laughs> we're going to invite the Belgian goose in too, and we're just going <laughs> to bring everybody in this studio and just literally hash it out like a cage match. It's going to be wild. Yeah, but yeah, it's down the road. So uh, down the road, yeah, I think so. We'll we'll plan to have you back on for that episode in a few years when when the um the headline officially is Goose has officially become classic rock. Um, and we'll figure out you know when when we make it to those goalposts. Um, love it, love it. You know, for now, you know, I when, think I go Joe Walsh will sit in with Goose. Yeah. Do, like, That'll be the clear sign. Yeah. Joe Walsh should be 105 by then, but he'll still yeah. be playing. <laughs> the unexpected torch passing that nobody knew was coming. I will yeah. love it. That, I, I'll write another 4,000 word article about that. All right. That <laughs> That's it. We're signing it in blood. Um, so, you know, I think just to wrap, it's an exciting time. What do you see coming next? For the band in the next couple of years, I'm not privy to anything as their publicist, so maybe you can tell me some. Kept in the dark completely. <laughs> um, what do you What do you see coming next for them? What do you want to see come next for them? Um, and and what are you excited about with them? Well, you know, I I you know, I wouldn't make any predictions for them. I I but I would just say that uh, you know my hope for them is that they just continue on the trajectory that they're on, which you know artistically as we were saying before i just feel like they keep growing by leaps and and bounds as a live act that you know if you're following the live shows on, on Bandcamp or on nugs it just feels like oh this whatever it is that they're up to is just like really exciting um so i hope that that, that continues and uh in terms of their popularity i, I just think that uh 
it'll just follow uh, as a matter of course from that, that if they continue to just be a great live band and, and, and putting out really good records that uh, they'll keep growing their audience and uh, the, they will live up to the headline that I wrote for them. Cause I, I <laughs> again, I really feel like that. I think that they, they earned that. So, you know, I, I, I hope that they keep, uh, you know, moving on that trajectory, I guess. Yeah. I like that. I, I also hope that they get rich enough to give me a cushy six figure job doing nothing. Um, so let's we keep rooting for the band on this show. <laughs> well, um, I guess we'll stop there and get this edited so we can get it out to Twitter and of course seek their approval. Um, yeah. please, please be gentle. Please. Um, so Stephen Hyden, thank you so much for joining us. As thank I you. mentioned, thank you for having podcaster me. extraordinaire, writer extraordinaire, new yes. book coming this year. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you so much. Thank man. you, Stephen, man. That was great. We want to once again thank our very special guest, Stephen Hyden, for joining us today. It was great to talk to him a little bit about why Goose is your favorite classic rock band. <laughs> <laughs> and even though, you know, they're getting up towards retirement age and they're not on tour anymore. Uh, we've got some very special episodes planned for all of you that we're really excited about. So be sure to be on the lookout for those dropping every other Wednesday. The Great Beyond is presented by Osiris Media and engineered by Greg Knight from his apartment in Brooklyn. On behalf of my co-hosts, I'd once again like to thank Stephen for joining us today, our manager, Kathleen Knight, and most of all, you, the listeners, for tuning in. Be sure to catch a ride with us next time. It's on the pathway to The Great Beyond. Osiris.